This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. God bless you. Please grab a seat. When I, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God... And I've heard that statement finished so many different ways. Maybe you've thought it. Maybe you've had those conversations. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God, why this? Why that? When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God, why? Two and a half decades, no Super Bowl for the Cowboys. Why? I think it's the owner. It's my opinion, but separate. And some of you, it's like little silly things. Okay, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Like, I get it. I get it. That one I can answer. But there, there are these questions we have. God, why? Some of you, it's deeper. When I get to heaven, God, why? Why didn't you help my child who battled overwhelming depression day by day? God, why why did we have to struggle so many years doing the best we could and trying to trust you, but it just seemed so difficult for so long? I don't know what your... When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God. I, I, I don't know how you finish that statement. But I know for a lot of us, we, we process and we think because there are a lot of things that happen in life that are so challenging to understand. There are a lot of things that happen in life that make no sense at all if God is a loving God. Apart from the fact and the reality that we know that we live in a broken world and God will not force his will on us. He gives us the opportunity to choose him or not. When I get to heaven, God, why? We think about that a lot. But have you ever considered if you could sit down and have coffee with God? And I'm pretty sure he would go to Lobos. I think that's where he'd want to meet you. But if you could sit down and have coffee with God, I don't know what his drink would be. Probably water. And he might make it something really special. First miracle, wine. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. But... If you could sit down and have that conversation with God and you could ask him whatever question, that's awesome. But have you ever thought about if you could sit down and have a conversation with God, what would he ask you? I know what I would ask him, but what would he ask you? And I wonder for many of us if his question would be, when I gave my son Yes, for you to have a home in heaven after this life, for your sins to be forgiven. I gave my son for you to have an incredible life on earth. I wanted to maximize so many things in your life. Why did you choose the bare minimum? Because isn't it true, often as Christ followers, and if you're here this morning and you're not a Christ follower, if you think about it, you, you've seen this and people that you know that are Christ followers. In fact, for some of you, it's the reason you've not given your life to Jesus. You know people who say they have and they don't live any differently. Why is it true that so often we choose less than what God actually offers? We choose the bare minimum when it comes to prayer. Something bad happens in life. Okay, I need to pray. I need to pray. I need to pray. But can't, can't we go days or weeks or sometimes months when life's relatively okay that we don't really think about it? Maybe a casual quick prayer before the dinner, but not really a connection or a building our, our relationship with God at all. We, we choose the minimum. Why do we choose the minimum on, on kindness? It's so easy to be nice to nice people. But aren't we called to be kind to people that are unkind, to love people that feel like and act like they're unlovable? Why, why do we choose the bare minimum? Why do we look at the pages of Scripture instead of viewing it as to follow Jesus means I follow the teachings of Jesus? Why do we look at the pages of Scripture and look at it as a buffet that I can choose what I want and ignore what I don't? I wonder, I wonder if you could have coffee with God. I, I wonder what he would ask you about in your life and what he would point to where you've chosen less than what he created you for. And in those areas, for many of us, our practice is to choose the bare minimum. 
Someone has said practice makes you perfect, and that's a lie. Practice does not make perfect. Practice makes permanent. So the patterns in your life and how you implement your thinking and how you approach the Word of God, your typical mode of operation when it comes to what Scripture says about life, is your, is your default position obedience or is it rationalization? Because ultimately you have to choose. You have to decide, is the Word of God the Word of God or not? In the life of C3, we believe the Bible is the Word of God. We believe it's inspired, infallible. We believe it's entirely the Word of God. We believe it's foundational to build our lives on. Now, if you're here today, you're not a Christ follower, or maybe you're new to C3 and you don't believe that, hey, we still love you. You're still welcome here. You just need to know up front, this book is our authority for living. And you have to decide for you, is the Word of God the Word of God or not? And, and, and don't fall into this place of saying, well, I think some parts of it are. Well, who, who gets to choose? Like, you get to decide what God meant and what he didn't. You get to decide what was literal and what was figurative. You, you, you I mean, I'm, I'm not smart enough to do that. I have disappointed me way too many times. But if it is the word of God, and I believe with everything in me it is, today, I'm going to uh, push into your life a little bit. And the goal, I said this last week, it's the goal today, it's the goal every Sunday, I want to help you. I want to help you. So when we start talking about what we're going to talk about in a minute, when we start talking about the thing we're talking about, I want to ask you to have the courage to listen with not just open ears, but an open heart, an open mind, and listen, listen to everything in context before you decide. And you get to decide what you decide about it. And you're loved either way. But if you decide anything less than what Scripture teaches, it will cause you to live a less than life. And it will impact the lives of the people you love the most. John chapter 12. One of my favorite stories in the New Testament. If you're new to church, the Bible's divided into two sections, what we call Old Testament and New Testament. The Old Testament is before Jesus, kind of the creation of the world, the Old Testament prophets. And then there's 400 years of silence. And then there's the New Testament, the birth of Jesus, the life of Christ, the birth of the church after that, and, and then what happens and what we can expect. And really, the entire Word of God is a manual. The Old Testament is just as inspired and just as much the Word of God as the New Testament. There's 66 books in all. We call them books, but really, it's much better than that. It's ancient documents, but fully inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, written through human authors. John chapter 12, six days before the Passover. Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor, and Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Your house will be filled with the fragrance of what you worship. If you focus on and you process and you spend most of your time thinking about things that makes you anxious, your house will be filled with the fragrance of anxiety. If you spend all of your time never content, always wanting more, always chasing something, I'm not talking about healthy ambition, ambition and being, being driven. Ambition is a good thing. Being driven is a good thing. I'm talking beyond that where you're, ju you're just never content. It's never enough your house will be filled with the fragrance of greed. Your house is filled with the fragrance of what you worship. Verse 4, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot. Now, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you grew up in church, this is the guy that would betray Jesus. If, if you come on Easter and we talk about the Easter story, this is the guy that turned Jesus over to be arrested and ultimately crucified, Judas. And anytime we say the word Judas, you know exactly who we're talking about. There's only one because nobody names their kid Judas. Like this guy, Judas, you, you know who we're talking about, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. This would be like if you make $35,000 a year, you save up your money over years and you buy a bottle of $35,000 perfume. Now, if you do that, we need to have a conversation. Maybe not wise, but, but she has... 
She has a bottle of perfume worth a year's wages. If you make $50,000 a year, that's like a $50,000 bottle of perfume. And she brings it and breaks the bottle open and pours it on Jesus as an offering to him. The whole thing. Judas did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And very quickly, in John chapter 12, there, there are two natures that become very, very evident. One is the nature of God, which is generosity. Our God is a generous God. The other is the nature of our enemy, which is selfishness. And, and there are two natures that are described the one Judas had from the enemy of selfishness, the one God has revealed in this act of worship, the one of generosity. So I, I would ask you in your life, are you generous or selfish? And you might think, ah, I'm not sure. When you get home today at lunch, your family, your friends, whoever you're thinking, hanging out with, ask them. They'll tell you. Say, hey, you can be honest. Parents, tell your kids, there, there's no punishment for this. Do you think I'm generous or selfish? And just sit back, shut up, and listen. Because we all have blind spots. Are you generous? Everybody's either generous or selfish. Actually, that's not true. Every single person in this room is generous. It's just that some of you are only generous with yourself. We have no problem forgiving me. I have no problem giving me the benefit of the doubt. I don't want to be held to the consequences of what I've done. We're generous with ourselves. But are you generous when it comes to God and other people? This lady does not give something normal or average. She's so moved by who Jesus is that she brings an extravagant gift, this perfume, one year's worth of wages, and she breaks it open and she pours it on Jesus. Why? This is so important, and it doesn't just impact our finances. It impacts every area of life. A grateful heart will always produce a generous life. A grateful heart will always produce a generous life. Judas is angry. He didn't care about the poor. He's stealing from the account, and he views what this lady just did as wasted because he calls worthless what Jesus calls an act of worship because he can't access it now. She's given it as an offering to Jesus, so he has no access to it. A selfish spirit is a critical spirit. It's funny. When we talk about money in the life of the church... There are a couple things I understand. Some of you, you went to another church at some point in life, maybe early in life, maybe it's been years, but you have watched people that do what I do, pastors, mismanage resources. You have watched churches mismanage resources. And so sometimes when it comes to the issue of giving to the local church, we, we have some baggage that we bring to that. I get it. I also understand that when we talk about tithing, which is a mathematical term. It means 10%. That's all. It's simple. And God says, if you're a follower of Jesus, bring the first 10% to the local church. Some of you, there's pushback on that because you feel like, seriously? And if, if the step of tithing is hard for you, I understand that because for years, even as a pastor, I didn't obey Scripture. I get it. I also know that over the years, more than any other topic I talk about, when we talk about money and stuff and God's plan for our resources and our finances, I get more thank you emails, conversations, phone calls than any other subject. Here's why. God always keeps his word. He always keeps his promises. And the people who tithe and on top of that are generous, they never get mad when we talk about money. It's always the people who don't that get a little uptight. Like some of you right now are thinking, are you serious? I came today and you're talking about money. You have no idea what kind of week I had. I, I needed some hope today. I, I needed God to inspire me today. I needed some comfort today. I need God to do something big in my life and you're going to talk about money. Maybe God's plan is to do something big in your life and if you'd obey the issue of money, you'd set him up to be able to do it. Maybe this is exactly the key that unlocks the door for the thing that you need in your life, an area where you're not being obedient and God is saying, I want to bless you, but you're hindering that because you don't trust me. See, it's not an issue of money. It's an issue of trust. Do you trust God? Oh, I'm going to pray a prayer. I trust him to get me to heaven. You trust him to get you to heaven. 
but you don't trust him to get you to your next paycheck? You trust him to take care of your eternity, but you don't trust him to take care of your retirement? Like, is that, is that really trust? But the people that get upset are the people who don't do it. It's kind of like if you go to the doctor and you have a physical. And let me tell you, once you hit about 40 years old, the physicals, they, they change. It gets interesting. But you go to the doctor for a physical, and he pokes and prods, and if he hits a spot where it hurts, I mean, there's some spots like, I've, I've got a shoulder issue in this shoulder. He hits that spot, oh, I react to it because it hurts. Not because the doctor has a problem, but because I do. When we talk about money, if there's an ah, that's not my problem. That's your problem. It's an area of injury that needs to be further looked into, and there can be healing, but only if you do what the doctor prescribes. It's interesting that Jesus knows Judas is a thief. He knows it. He knew he was selfish, but he still wanted Judas to be over the money because he was testing him in this area of life. And you and I are being tested every single day with what we do with our resources. Every day God sees what you and I do with our resources. How much... Do you prioritize God and how you manage your resources? If you're a follower of Christ, how much do you obey what Scripture teaches? The first 10% comes to the local church. Last Sunday, we launched the 90-day tithing challenge. And basically, we said, hey, for the next 90 days, I want to encourage you to join me and Angie, our team, our staff, uh, and many others. I want you to join us in the 90-day tithing challenge. And if you do this and you come to the end of 90 days, you, you bring the first 10% of your income each time you get paid, any gain in your life, you bring the first 10%. At the end of 90 days, if you feel like God didn't bless you and keep his word, we'll give you everything back you gave in that 90 days. Not if you tip, not just throw in a five, but 10% if you tithe. And on top of that, I believe in this so much, Angie and I will add 100 bucks personally. And so you, you could make money. But we believe in it in such a way because I've watched what God has done when people obey his word. Now, if you're sitting here and you're thinking, man, you're a pastor. Of course you would say this. Of course you would say this. You're just trying to manipulate me to give more to C3. If you feel like I'm trying to manipulate you, I would encourage you. Please tithe. Do what scripture teaches. But give it to a different church. This is not about what I want from you. It's what I want for you. I don't want you to miss what God wants to do in your life. I want you to step into that place of trusting him. So if you think I'm trying to manipulate you, tie it to a different church for 90 days. Now, don't come ask us for the money if you didn't give it here. Ask that church. In fact, ask them ahead of time. Will you do this? Ask them that ahead of time. And listen, if, if you don't tithe here, you tithe somewhere else. We love you. You're still welcome here. If you go to the hospital, we'll come visit you. We're not taking the expressway because you don't give anything. But we'll get there when we can. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Your value is not determined by how much you give. You are deeply loved by God. You enter the equation significant and loved by God. Your value is not determined by what you give. Your value is determined by the fact you're a child of God. I just don't want you to miss what God says about how to live life at the best level. I don't want you to take an area where God wants to maximize some things in your life and you minimize it because you do the bare minimum. I don't want you to experience a less than life. Luke 16 says, whoever can be trusted, key word, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? So as God looks at your life, and if, by the way, if you're not a Christ follower, you don't have to do this. But if you're a Christ follower, if God looks at your life, can he trust you with more because you're being faithful with what you have now? Does your track record on tithes and offerings show God that you can be trusted with more? There are three categories of biblical giving. Three categories that the Bible says these are areas that as Christ followers can apply to our lives when it comes to giving. The first one is the tithe. The tithe for a follower of Jesus is not optional. If you say you're a Christ follower, that means you follow the teachings of Jesus. And one of the teachings of Jesus is the first 10% belongs to the local church. You bring it first to the local church. And when I do that, it invites God's provision and protection into my life. I've shared this before, but a lot of you are new. Many years ago, maybe almost 20 years ago now, I was with one of my kids at a high school football game here in Florida. 
and we were sitting in the stands. I'm not going to tell you which kid it was, but we were sitting in the stands, sitting in the stands, and Nate said, Dad, can I go get some candy? So I gave my son some money. He went to the concession stand, and he bought something like Skittles. And he came back, and he was sitting there right beside me in the bleachers. It had been a long game, and I said, son, give, give me some Skittles. And my son said, no. <laughs> son, give me some Skittles. No. My sweet son did not understand a couple of things. Number one, 20 years ago, I'm a lot bigger than you. I can take the freaking Skittles if I want to. The other thing I have the ability to do, son, I, I could buy so many Skittles, I could rain down Skittles all over your life. I could buy you 20 boxes of Skittles. My son didn't understand a couple of, don't step on the Skittles. My son didn't understand a couple of things. God says, hey, son, daughter, bring me the first 10%. I, I, I'm the author and the finisher of your faith. I gave you everything that you have. I am your provider. Everything you have comes from me. Bring me the first 10%. No. Do you understand God can take it if he wants it? Do you understand God could pour out so much more that it would blow your mind? It's what scripture promises in Malachi chapter 3. How many of you love Skittles? Anybody love Skittles? How many of you love Skittles? Okay, right over here. Right here. You get some Skittles. I even got the box instead of the plastic passage, pa package so you can eat it during church and nobody will hear you messing with it. Go ahead. <laughs> and by the way, the message is sit toward the front. Last week money, this week Skittles, sit toward the front. It's huge. It helps. But the reality is God is our provider. And God says you can live far better on 90% of your income bringing the first 10% to me. You live far better blessed in that position than living on 100% of what you make without my blessing. And you and I get to decide. We get to decide. The first category is the tithe. The second category is generosity. You and I are not generous until we go beyond the tithe. Bringing the first 10%, that's not generosity, that's obedience. But as a follower of Christ, God wants me to be generous. He wants me to, on top of the tithe, look for opportunities, pray about opportunities to be generous. The tithe, I do not have to pray about the amount. God's already said 10%. Generosity is something you pray about. Generosity is something you, you try to look for opportunities to make a difference. And then the third level is sacrificial or extravagant, like this lady in John chapter 12. The lowest, first rung level of giving, according to God, is the tithe. That's the lowest level. And you cannot give at level two or level three until you first give at level one. So here's what that means. If you make $50,000 a year, God says, honor me with $5,000 a year. It's the principle of the first. Where I put God first in my life, I invite him into that area of my life. It's true in every area. This morning we happen to be talking about finances, but that works in your relationships. It works in your mental health. It works in your career. It works in your parenting. Where I put God first in my life, I invite him into that area of my life. So if you make $1,000 a week, that's $100 a week tithe. If you make $100,000 a year, that's $10,000 a year tithe. If you make $4,000 a month, that's $400 a month tithe. I'm helping you with the math because some of you need some help. If you make a dollar a week, that's 10 cents of tithe that you bring. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says, bring the whole tithe. And this is so incredible to me because God says what he means and he means what he says. And it's interesting. God could have just said, bring the tithe. It's a mathematical term. It is a fixed figure, 10%. That's clear enough. There is no ambiguity. There is no, well, maybe he meant, no, bring the tithe. But he goes the extra distance because he knows you and he knows me and he knows we have a PhD in rationalization and excuses. So he says, bring the whole tithe. I'm going to double emphasize this. It is 10%, not 8%, not 5%, not 3%, 10%, not 9.5%. 10% is the tithe. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, Old Testament picture of the church, that there may be food in my house. And then it's the only time in the Bible he says this, test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there won't be enough room to store it. So if you make a dollar and you tithe 10%,
God promises to bless you just as much as the person who makes $100,000 in tithes, 10000 And God promises to bless you more than the person who makes $100,000 and does not tithe. But if you ever want to get to the second category, the next level of giving, you have to do the first. And God promises to pour out so much blessing, you're able to move to the second. Generosity does not begin until you're already giving the tithe. If you are not tithing to the local church, you are not a generous person according to Scripture. See, God gets first place. He gets the first 10% of my income. That's one of the things I love that we've done in the life of C3 is you can go online uh, to give c3.cc to our safe, secure giving portal, and you can set it up. Angie and I have done this. Life is so busy we automate the things that are important. We try to make as automatic as as we can the things that are important. So we've automated it where automatically when I get paid, the tithe is the first thing that happens. If I get paid on Tuesday, I don't want God to wait till Sunday. So I've set it all up online. It's free. It's secure. You maintain control of your account. You can change, edit, do whatever. I've set that up, and I love the fact that the first thing that happens is the tithe to the local church. But for me, God not only gets the first part of my income, he gets the first part of my generosity. So Angie and I, we give to different organizations. There are a lot of great nonprofits, a lot of great organizations, but we are the most generous. We are first generous to the local church on top of our tithe. Years ago, we were having lunch in Waterford, and the server that day was was having a hard day. And she shared, she found out I was a pastor which I'm the guy, I'm the guy when people every now and then, you know, we'll have somebody come in. We had a plumber come in not long ago and he's working on some stuff in the house and like he, he's cussing like a sailor and then he's like, so what do you do? I'm a pastor. Oh, and then he says some more. <laughs> it's like, hey man, it's okay, it's okay. But she found out as a pastor so she shared a little bit more and we talked with her and just some real difficult things going on in her life. We left the restaurant and Angie said, let's go get her coffee. Because she talked about how I think she was working a double shift or longer than what she was supposed to, and she couldn't wait to get out and just grab some coffee. So we went across the street to Vesper, grabbed a coffee, went back over to the restaurant, and I walked in and I put, we have these generic uh, inviters, like business card size to C3. You can get them at the Resource Center if you'd like to hand out this week. I put a generic inviter with it, and by the way, the coffee was not my tip. I'd already tipped when I, when I bought the meal, and listen, listen, listen. If you're a Christ follower or a church attender and you go to lunch on Sunday after church and you don't tip, please don't tell them you go to C3. Tell them about some other church. If you don't tip, just, just don't, don't attach that to us. Because if you can't afford to tip, you can't afford to go. You need to make sure we are called to be a generous people. So I'd already given a really good tip. I brought the coffee in with this inviter and she was tied up. I couldn't get to her, so I told the manager, hey, this is for her. I told him her name. Um, Great service. She did a great job. Would you please make sure she gets it? And I got to be honest, as I'm walking out of the restaurant, I'm thinking, she ain't going to get it. That joker's going to drink that coffee. Like he's like, sometimes I battle my thoughts. But the next Sunday, she showed up at C3. The next Sunday, she came to C3 and gave her life to Jesus. About, About a month later, she moved to a different city, plugged into a church in that city, and was baptized in that church. And God continues to work in her life. But listen, listen, listen. A $5 back then today, a $12 cup of coffee, a $5 cup of coffee, listen, that's generosity. But anytime you can attach your generosity to the local church, people, it changes people's minds about church. Because I don't know if you know this, church has a bad reputation, a well-earned bad reputation. And so part of what I want to do in generosity is I want to change people's minds about church and what the church is. And then after generosity comes this extravagant giving, and with each level becomes more joy. Only a few people ever step into sacrificial, extravagant giving. It is where the greatest joy and purpose is found. Your giving, your tithes, your offerings, and how far you go, it becomes an investment that shapes eternity at a profound level. Jesus is watching on one occasion at a church service during the offering. And Scripture says, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw, he noticed, he paid attention, he did not miss it. 
No life is so insignificant that Jesus doesn't pay attention. Nobody's life means so little that Jesus is not aware. He saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins, today's money less than two cents. Truly I tell you, he said, he stops the offering and says to everybody there, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Did you know Jesus watches what we do when it comes time to give? He watches. And he's so moved, he stops the offering and says, she's done more than everybody else combined. How easy is it for the wealthy? There are people that put in a higher dollar amount, but nobody put in a higher value. Jesus didn't just count what was given, he weighed what was given. And he said, what she's done is beyond what anybody else did. So I just, I need to ask you a question because I believe God wants me to ask you this question. There are times in your life where you have stretched for a mortgage for a house that you really wanted. There are times in your life you, you, you've stretched to get a car you really couldn't afford. Maybe you leased it because you want that car. Like you, you just, however you've got to make it happen. Have you ever stretched? Have you ever done something sacrificial? Have you ever given to God at a level that you felt it? You pass or fail. The test, not with your best intentions. You pass or fail with what you have now. And if God can't trust you to tithe and bring offerings on $50,000 a year, why would he think he could trust you on $500,000 a year? Now, some of you are looking at me partly cloudy, so let me help you. Matthew chapter 3, verse 8 says this. Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? Here's something as the church that I think we often miss. The tithe is an act of obedience. It's a fixed amount where God says, bring the first 10%. But offerings, which are on top of the tithe, are also an act of obedience. You and I just get to decide, God, what do you want me to do right here? How generous do you want me to be? What do you want me to step into? And God says, you're robbing me. If all you do is tithe and you're not being generous on top of that, you're robbing God. In tithes and offerings, God expects me to bring the first 10% to the local church. He also expects me as a follower of Christ to have a practice of generosity toward the church. Now, what does robbing God look like? I mean, did God pop online this morning and look at his account and think, whew, that's running low. I really need to press some people to give more. Did God do that? Does God need your money? No, it's not an issue of money. It's an issue of obedience and trust. What, What does it mean to rob God? I believe the passage is saying, hey, You're robbing me of the opportunity to do what I said, to open heaven's floodgates and pour out so much blessing you can't hold it. You're robbing me of blessing your life the way that I want to. You're robbing me of blessing your family the way that I'd like to. You're robbing me of the opportunity to bless your career, bless your kids, bless your friendships, bless your health. You're robbing me of everything that I want to do for you because of your selfishness and your lack of trust. Are you... Are you more like this lady in Scripture that made the offering to Jesus? Or are you more like Judas? A grateful heart will always produce a generous life. Why would this lady, in John chapter 12, why a perfume bottle that's worth a year's salary, why would she go so extravagant? Why would she go that far? Why in the world? I mean, she could have given anything. She could have broken the bottle and just poured out a little bit. Why would she do the whole thing? Why would she give that much? Because a grateful heart will always produce a generous life. You only have to go back one chapter. And in John chapter 11, we find her brother Lazarus, he's dead. He's been dead for three days and Jesus shows up and he moves the stone away from the, or has them move the stone away from the tomb and he calls Lazarus and Lazarus comes back to life. I wonder if it was thinking about the fact, sitting at that table, when everyone's eating, she looks down at the end, and Jesus is sitting at the end, and right to his left is Lazarus. And I wonder if in that moment, seeing and looking and watching, my brother was dead yesterday, 
and watching them talk and watching maybe Jesus tells a joke and Lazarus laughs, clean joke, it's Jesus. Lazarus laughs and maybe it's not just kind of a chuckle, maybe it's a really good joke and he throws his head back and laughs and he's eating and she's watching her brother who yesterday was dead because of Jesus is now alive and she's so moved with gratitude. She doesn't give this to try to make God give her something. She does this out of a huge thank you in her heart for Jesus and what he did. And you might be here today and you might say, you know what? If Jesus brought something back to life that I loved, I I would do that. Hey, follower of Christ, you were dead in your sins. Your life was done. You and I, every single person in this room, we deserve nothing but hell for eternity. We are fouled up, broken, imperfect. We don't just disappoint God. You, you know you can't keep God's standard because you can't even keep your own standard. We disappoint ourselves so often, and we know we disappoint God. What we deserve is hell, torment for eternity, separated from God and everybody we love. That's what we deserve. God has brought something back to life. If you're a Christ follower, it's called you. If your spouse is a Christ follower, he's brought your spouse back. If your kids are Christ followers, he's brought them into a unique life that lasts for all of eternity that is going to be blessed with a home in heaven. God has done something for you. The problem is, as the church, we function not from gratitude but entitlement. We forget what God has done for us as though it's not enough and are looking for the next thing we want God to do for us. If Jesus never did another thing for you, dying for you, shedding his blood and coming back to life, offering you the ability to connect with the Father in a personal way. If he never did another thing for you, he's done enough. The problem is we have gotten over what Jesus did and we take it for granted. We don't live in gratitude. The sense of entitlement that permeates our culture permeates Christ's followers. When every single time we get paid, many of you, you rob God. You're not living with a grateful heart. You don't look for ways to be generous. You do toward yourself yourself. (laughs) That new iPhone comes out, everybody goes crazy. The new droid comes out, nobody cares. But the new iPhone comes out, everybody goes crazy. The tickets you pay for for concerts and sporting events, what you spend for coffee each month. I know, I've seen you in line. And I love this part. Jesus calls Lazarus back, listen, listen, listen. In chapter 11, the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Hey, church, that's part of what tithing and bringing offerings does. Jesus is the one that saves people. And you and I, he he could have had the grave clothes disappear. You and I are called as followers of Christ. It's part of our mission as a church. We want to take the dead stuff from people's past off them and help set them free. He allows us to be involved in taking off the grave clothes and setting people free. So every single time you bring that tithe, every single time you're generous and you give over and above the tithe, some of you, you step into sacrificial. Every single time you are connected with people that have been hurting and broken, that Jesus is changing their lives because he's the only one that can save, but you and I get to help them experience living in freedom. Your past does not define you. Your biggest mistakes are not who you are. Wherever you've messed up, whatever you're the most ashamed of, that's not how God defines you. You are deeply loved by a God who invites you to call him father. You matter to him and you matter to us. And when we give, we're taking off grave clothes. That's just part of what we do. We have a system online where if people are in central Florida and they Google or they search anything about loneliness, depression, broken relationships, loss. There's a way that it connects them with our website. I don't understand it. I don't understand technology. I had a technological bypass early in life. I don't get it. I just know it works. This week, just this week, I want to share a few of the messages where people message us and we're able to be in communication with them when we message back and forth and we're able to pray and we're able to try to meet needs and God uses C3 and people are... Sometimes they come and they attend and they start plugging in. Just this week, a few, not all, a few of the messages. One lady messaged, loss of a child. Depression, finding a way to keep living with the loss of a child. A father sent a message. Hit and run accident. My son died at the scene. Fatal injuries, no witnesses or clues of the vehicle. 
The video Sanford Police Post. It's too hard to recognize the vehicle in interest. Another lady messaged, recently lost my husband. I have no friends or family. It's stressing me out the way they want me to get over it and just move on. But I don't know how to. He was my friend and my companion. I feel so alone and empty. I just feel like dying. Another lady this week. I lost my son. He was only 27. Another lady. My brother passed away yesterday and I was the one who found him. It doesn't feel real like I'm in a nightmare, an alternate universe. A man sent us a message. Been married 14 years and discovered infidelity today. Another lady messaged depression, feelings of hopelessness, feelings of solitude, fear of relapse of self-harm. All of those and more this week. Life is not a game. And there are hundreds of thousands of people around us that are hurting, living in pain, navigating hard things in life. And God has called us as the church to bring love and help and healing in whatever way we can. And when you tithe and you go above that even in your generosity, listen, you are forever connected with people that you don't even know their name. What we see on Sundays and what God's done in the last year is incredible. 184 people have given their lives to Jesus in this room, incredible. But what happens on Sundays, listen, what happens on Sundays doesn't begin to scratch the surface of what God is doing through C3. You don't see it all. And most of what happens I can't share because of confidentiality. I didn't tell you any of those names. I know them. I'm praying for them. I know the names. But you have no idea when you give the impact of what it's going to be and how deeply it's going to impact other people's lives. She was moved because she saw her brother who's now alive sitting by Jesus. You scan the pages of Scripture and you find out that generosity is always rewarded by God. It's always rewarded. You, you cannot outgive God. Last week was one year that we've been in this building. And I've shared before the story of how we got the building, but I want to share something that I've never shared before today in a service publicly. We had not secured the building yet, just over a year ago. It was us and two other churches that were bidding for this facility. And I knew that, that I already knew because the, the owner had told me one of those churches had offered a lot more than us. One of those church had, had like, they could, they could do way better than we could financially. But I sense such, such a sense in my heart that this is God's next step for C3. And I remember I was on the back deck at our home and I was praying and I was thinking, and I, I've never heard the audible voice of God. I've never heard that. I think it would scare me to death. And I, I don't know exactly what his voice would sound like. James Earl Jones, maybe. I, I don't know what God's voice sounds like. Wouldn't it be funny if it was Mike Tyson? That'd be funny. But, but I, I don't know what God's voice sounds like. I've never heard God's audible voice. If you have, good for you. You get the Bucky Beaver Award. I, I, I've, I've never heard it. I heard, I heard something louder than God's audible voice. It was inside me. And I sensed with everything in me God saying, I want you to give an offering of... And the amount's not important, but the amount for us was huge. It wasn't like, oh, okay, I'll take that out of this account. I mean, it was like, oh, you sure? Like, but it was, it was overwhelming. We did not have the building secured yet. The contract was not done. I knew that our offer was not the largest. But for me, this was an act of obedience, and I said, okay. Right there on the deck, I popped online through my phone, and I gave exactly what I feel like God was leading us to give. I think it was the next day we found out we got the building. 
I know for me. Because see, I'm, I'm the guy that when this life is over, I'm the person that has to answer for the decisions made in the life of C3 while God has called me temporarily in this life to lead our church. And it would be wrong, and it would be hypocritical, and it would be sinful for me to ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do. We already were tithing and giving over the tithe, but I sensed in a very clear way for me, and that doesn't mean he's going to say to you, hey, give this much, I don't know. I'm just talking about my story, and I believe that was an act of obedience for me. I was honoring what God asked me to do, and we got a building that it made no sense we should have gotten. We were not the highest offer. If I had not done that, would we have gotten the building? I don't know. But I'm sure glad I wasn't disobedient. This year, this year, Angie and I, in tithes and offerings, have already given far more than we've ever given to C3. Now, if you don't know me, you may have pastor baggage from somebody else that you know, but if you don't know me, please remember you don't know me and hear what I'm about to say. I am not bragging. There are a lot of things I mess up in life. I've been a screw-up all of my life. I have a PhD in it. For many years, I robbed God and didn't follow what Scripture teaches. I'm not bragging. I'm leading because I cannot ask you to do something I'm not willing to do. And we approach it with, hey, we're going to bring the first 10%, and every single year of my life, I want to bring a greater percentage of my income each year for the rest of my life to the local church. That's where you step into generosity. Last Sunday, many of you dove in. You said, man, we're going we're gonna to start tithing. We're going to do the 90-day tithing challenge. I was overwhelmed by the response. Some of you were not here last week. I want to give you an opportunity to respond. Me and Angie, our team, so many last week, we jumped into this uh, just like Connor and Rachel. Check this out. Connor and I met in Omaha, Nebraska, where we're from. We met in high school. Um, We dated for about four years, and then we got married while we were in college. A couple years later, we decided to moved to Orlando. Connor had a business opportunity. That was very, it was a good opportunity, but very risky, very scary and stressful. So it was a very big jump for us to move that far away from our family. We didn't know anybody that, you know, lived here. When we moved, the biggest thing for us, uh, being able to find a church um, after being here for a little while, honestly, we we had not prioritized finding a church initially. um, And the anxiety rose as we let that fester. Um, but over time, we, we decided that it was worth finding a church and, and a place to um, find a community and, and uh, grow in our faith. And so we found C3. Um, it's made a, a huge difference. Which has been awesome. I think we found like our closest friends, I would say, at C3 through community groups. And then it's been cool, like we've gone to host community groups, like help to lead a community group now a couple years later so it's been really cool like full circle for us after attending c3 for a few months it was kind of on our hearts to start to tithe um and then we we happened to attend a sermon where pastor byron talked about tithing um and that's what kind of did it in for us so we started it was it was a big decision it was hard for us to make that leap but uh definitely glad we did you know that's been the biggest part of the peace that we've felt. Like even though we had to go through the hard things, it's been less stressful because like we know that we're walking in obedience with God. We know that we're trusting Him fully. And so I think that's really been like that next big step for us. You know, when you walk in obedience with God, I don't think it's it's not a buffet. You can't pick and choose what you want to do, right? And so um, I think it's, a, it's a probably the hardest piece of all of that. Um, going to church is, uh, seems a lot easier than giving 10% of your income. Yeah, you know? it's definitely like we'll be the first to say it's a really big decision, obviously choosing to tithe, but we're so glad that we did it. We'll never go back. Like God's provision and protection has always, will always be enough and will always get us through. Hey, would you help me thank Connor and Rachel? Why, why would we talk about this? It's very uncomfortable for some. I don't want you to miss what God wants to do in your life. 
I don't want you to miss anything that God has for your life. And I believe I have a responsibility in the life of our church to lead us not where we want to go, but where we need to go. I want to ask you to grab your phone. Everybody take out your cell phone. I know you got one. I hear them all morning. Take out your cell phone. Some of you take notes in them. That's awesome. I'm not texting. I'm taking notes. Awesome. Take, listen, grab your cell phone. I asked you to do this last week. Maybe you did it last week, and maybe last week you clicked tithe, and today you want to click generosity or sacrificial. But I want to ask you to text. Now, if you're a Christ follower and you're part of C3, if, a guest, if you're a guest, please do not feel obligated. If you're not a Christ follower, please do not feel obligated. You can participate, but you don't have to. If you're a part of C3, man, I encourage you. This is a big deal. And I understand it's a tough step. But I promise you, if you take this step, the you of five years from now will give the you of today a standing ovation because you're going to learn more about the faithfulness of God and his provision and protection than you ever have. Text the word STEP to 407-559-6767. Just the word STEP to 407-559-6767. You'll get a link there you can click on, and it will take you to a page you can fill out your name, I'm asking for your phone number and your email, and here's why. You don't have to put it. The reason I'm asking for it is I'd like to be able to communicate with you. If you're going to jump into the 90-day tithing challenge, I'm going to bring the first 10%. I'm going to trust God and take him at his word. At the end of 90 days, if you feel like God didn't bless you, we'll give it all back, everything you gave in 90 days, as long as you were tithing, and Angie and I will add 100 bucks on top. I believe This is not about what I want from you. It's what I want for you. And so I'd like to be able to communicate in that process send you some emails. I'd love to be able to text you occasionally because I'm going to be praying for you every single day by name. So shoot the text, step 407-559-6767, or you can go to the website, c3church.cc forward slash step, click that link. At the bottom, if you're going to do the 90-day tithing challenge, just click that box. But maybe you clicked tithe last week or today you, after hearing this message, you're going to bring the tithe, but you also want to step into generosity over the next year. Click that box. If you feel like, man, I, I want to do something sacrificial for God, click that box. Maybe when it comes to generosity or sacrificial, you don't know the amount yet. You don't have to. I just want to be intentional. I want to be open eyes, open heart, open mind, open spirit to what God has for me. And as, as I see needs in the life of the church or needs in people around me, man, I'm going to bring the first 10% to the local church. I want to be generous to the church. On top of that, I want to look for ways to be generous or sacrificial. Click whatever you want to commit to and then hit Submit. And I'll get those names. I got them from last week. Overwhelming response. And I hope you do too. This is so important. If the person next to you is not doing it, take their phone and do it for them. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. I, listen, I don't want you to miss what God wants you to do. And don't you want to know if you can really trust God? This is the only place he says, test me. Man, I want to know. So dive in. I hope you have an amazing week this week. Next Sunday, this is the perfect week, by the way. This week, perfect week to invite somebody to join you at C3 next Sunday. Don't miss the opportunity. Be generous with your time and your love and look for somebody to invite to join you next Sunday. Have an amazing week. God bless you. I love you. Thank you so much for watching with us this morning. If you would like to be a part of this life-changing movement and give, you can go to giveC3.cc or text C3 Orlando to 77977. And we want to thank you for your faithful generosity. And if you're in Central Florida, please join us Sunday mornings, 930 or 11 a.m. in person. Have a great week.